The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, Money Movers, welcome back to Money Moves, the daily podcast determined to give you the keys to the kingdom of financial stability, wealth, and abundance. Hey, Money Movers, welcome back to Money Moves. I'm your host, Tanya Sam, and welcome again to Money Moves, the daily podcast determined to give you the keys to the kingdom of financial stability, wealth, and abundance. Today's guest has been an artist since he was six years old, then broke off into entrepreneurship and became one of the best barbers in the Philadelphia area. And now he's continuing to follow his childhood passion and dream and living the life as an artist. Welcome to the podcast. How are you today? It's so good to have you here. Chuck Styles. Hi, thank you. Thank you so, so much for having me. It's a pleasure. A uh, big fan of Greenwood and the platform that, you know, you are, uh, you, you guys are doing and creating to just, you know, spark conversation about um, financial literacy within the black community. So thank you for having me. Oh, well, we're so happy to have you here. And we really like to delve into the trajectory of success and the lifestyles of people from all different industries, from creatives to artists, to musicians, to entrepreneurs and startup and technology. So really excited because your art speaks for itself. We are all staring at it right now and you've got some amazing works behind you. But I want to rewind to the beginning. Tell us about Little Chuck Styles growing up in Philadelphia um, and sort of I want to dive into, you know, how you were raised in terms of looking at money, making money moves, saving money, investing, like people come with a lot of different stories about how they were introduced to this at a young age. Yeah, oh man, well, little Chuck Styles. Um, 
I, I actually grew up um, in a small suburb, like right outside of West Philly um, in Lansdowne. Yeah. Um, big, big family, um, six other brothers and sisters. So we were like, we were like the black Brady bunch in, in, the, uh, in the, in the community, um, low income, but you know, a lot of love, a lot of, a lot of fun. Um, and I, you know, when you're a kid, you don't realize that you're poor. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they order and then you start realizing like, oh, I did have a lot of syrup sandwiches, you know, growing up. <laughs> so I guess, um, just growing up. You know, my mom worked hard. My my stepfather worked hard, and we, you know, we, we made it work. Um, but I did I did pay attention to how we lived as a family, especially when I got to a teenager. When I started to see like, you know, our roof was falling apart, and there was water that was coming in, and you know, every every night when it rained, I would have to stay up, you know, uh, get like hours of sleep because yeah. I had to empty the the trash cans filling up with water. So it. Little things like that started, started you know, um, sparking the interest to you know um, want to make money and want to yeah. be financially. I get older, um, and my uncle who owned barbershops in uh, in German in the Germantown section of Philadelphia. That's what piqued my interest of being a barber. So I tried the I tried the college route and I tried the the corporate nine to five route. Um, but I ended up, you know, pursuing my barbering passion right out of high school and being a young man trying to, you know, get out of your mom's basement. Um, I was, you know, buying my own car and, you know, funding my own lifestyle at like 19, 20 years old. And so I kind of jumped right out into the world of like making money. And because barbering is, you know, fast money, um, I, I, (laughs) I learned a lot of good things as a barber, but a lot of bad habits as a barber. I, I didn't I didn't know about taxes. I didn't know about retirement plans. I didn't know. Thank about, you for speaking the um, truth, you know, because these are a lot of things that people stumble in. Like you said, they're making some fast money. They think they're doing good. But the yeah. infrastructure behind it, nobody taught them to do. And barbering, like mm-hmm. there's so many people in our community who have barbershops, but there's a business side of it that, you know, yeah. you don't talk about in the barbershop. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so barbering, barbering, um, is, is the area of my life that I I contribute so much to like the artist that I am now, especially when it comes to business, because through barbering and being a successful barber, I learned how to market myself, um, you know, in, in, in large convention areas and, and, um, selling products and selling yourself, things like that. Um, but, it took me to jump out and take the leap of faith as a full-time artist where I had to relearn or, or unlearn a lot of bad habits. Like mm-hmm. I said, building the credit, um, looking at retirement uh, uh, plans and, and things like that. Um, so I learned how to be more financially responsible with the money that I was making once I started taking my art uh, career a lot more serious. But those two careers go hand in hand because barbering taught me how to make the money and running an art business taught me how to manage the money. Wow, I like it. So how many how many years were you working as full-time barbering and how many shops did you own um, in the Philly area? Uh, well, I wanna say that I, I started I started cutting when I was about like in eighth grade, you know, but professionally, professionally I would say from the age of 19 to the age of 30. So over 10 years of my life 
was dedicated to just, you know, being a barber. Um, I, I didn't own any shops. I was fortunate enough to really work with some, um, some really talented, um, business savvy, you know, barber shop owners that I, 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 you know, owe a lot to Mm -hmm. just as far as my development as a young man and, you know, the business side. But, um, but yeah, that was that was about 10, 10, 11 years of my life to, to the the barbering, uh, uh, the barbering arts is what I call it. The barbering arts. And so when did you begin to transition into actually creating art behind us? There's like some incredible art. And I'm wondering when you took the leap to follow that full time. Uh, well, art is one of those things that I've done since I was a kid, but I never wanted to be an artist because I never saw any role models um, depicted on television or, you know, in media that looked like me that was the successful artist. So, you know, growing up as a young black kid and, in, in, you know, in, in the community, I wanted to play basketball or do all these other things except follow the, the gift that God gave me. Um, and it's because I didn't see any leadership mm-hmm. with, with mm-hmm. that gift. Um, when I turned when I turned 30, um, that's when I took the, the leap of faith and said, I'm, I'm, I've accomplished a lot as a barber and I'm still young enough to try something else and be great at that too. Yes. Um, so I took that leap of faith at, at 30 with the support of my wife and my family that kind of just let me have that time to figure it out. Um, but but like I said, so much I learned so much in the barber industry that it was and i remember this moment i used to do a lot of hair to barber competitions where i would cut hair for you know trophies and prizes and things like that and while i was at these convention centers of ten thousand people i would look at the booths and the booths all were the same it was like a cookie cutter kind of like repetition no style yeah they were selling they were selling product they were selling all these things and nobody was selling artwork I seen thousands of people there and I seen nobody selling artwork. And that's when the light bulb went off and said, this is a void that I can fill. I'm going to start attending these, um, these conventions and these, these seminars and, and these events. And I'm a, you know, present my art to the barber community and tackle that industry. And I started to grow the confidence and the know-how to just operate, you know, my art in certain areas and, and that helped me. That helped me with my transition. I mean, I love that vision of just being able to see, hey, there's something missing out of this market. I have something that these this community might like. Let me try it. And, you know, I think that's yeah. like some of the beauties of like entrepreneurship. You're just trying things to see what works, yeah. what sticks. And, you know, you've definitely found the lane and you went with it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You paid off. You paid off. So how did you know when you were ready to transition full-time, leave the barbering world behind and go strictly into earning a living um, off of selling your art? The funny thing is, I, you know, it was, I want to say it was, it was God. <laughs> like, honestly, yeah. it, I don't think Sometimes that's that the only answer. <laughs> it is the only answer. It was just a very, um, it was a very interesting time for me and my family at, the, at that moment. And like I said, I was, I've accomplished a lot at, at the age of 30 as a barber, but it was, barbering wasn't something that I saw myself doing when I got older, you know, 60, 70, you know, it was just like, how am I still going to be able to, you know, physically stand up and cut, you know, 12 hour days. Yeah. That's not a call for my life. And, you know, 
when you when you you know when coming out of the, that 28 29 year and then you hit your 30s it's like you have this you know epiphany eureka moment where it's just like <laughs> man okay what's my life going to look like from here on because now i feel like an adult adult like a real adult and um i think it was just a a, a, a jambalaya of just so many different events and feelings and thoughts that just kind of gave me the confidence to say okay let's, let's do let's it let's try this yeah um, I, I want to come back and touch on your art, but I just want to ask one last question. You know, one thing you, when you talk about barbering, you talk about it as a profession. Um, I want to, because I think there's so many people in the Money Moves audience that are barbers, they're beauticians, they're, you know, making, earning a living, but it really is a profession. You also talk about yeah. going to conferences and, um, you know, competing in conferences for awards and stuff. Talk about how people need to have this mindset of looking at barbering as a profession um, and just little things that they can do to sort of increase their game in, in barbering and beauty. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, the barbering world, it, it's, it's funny enough because the hair industry, you know, not just barbering, because barbering is a very small sector. Yeah. The hair industry is a multi-billion dollar industry, you know? It's huge. And we, huge. The people of color make up a huge part of that. We spend our dollars hard in that area and that industry. So I, you know, I really love how you approach it. You're like, this is a profession. This isn't just what I do to make money. I'm not just casually cutting hair. Like your approach to it was like very distinctly a profession. Oh yeah, absolutely. And um, for a lot of young barbers or, you know, hairstylists out there that are um, kind of shock bound, you know, the world of, of, of the hair industry and the opportunities to, you know, expand, um, you know, your financial kind of like, you know, resume, it, it's it's out there. And mm -hmm. it's unfortunate that, you know, us, uh, um, us that, you know, consume so much of the hair products in, right. in, within the hair industry, there's not enough on the other side that's treating uh, the products. And so when I started to go to the, the conventions, you know, in, in Atlanta, Bonner, Bonner Brothers, you know what I mean? Huge. Or, or yeah, huge. Or Premier down in Orlando, or, um, you know, it's another one really big in New York at the Jacob Javits Center. It's literally tens of thousands of vendors there selling all types of hair products and tools and, and capes and you name it. And it's not a lot of black and brown vendors that are there so what i would encourage is get into the product space yeah. because number one number one what i learned early on is that no matter how good you are there are only still a certain amount of hours in the day that you can actually perform that service yeah and there are only a certain amount of people within that that day that you can service so why not get into the product business where that you can have a a a tried true and tested product that can sell throughout all times of day all times of the day all times of the night and it'll just continuously uh, you know gain traction and, and 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 provide the financial freedom that that you know allows you to spend more time with your family i uh, love or, that or other things because that was one of the big things with me is that i was i was shop bound and I wasn't able, I was missing critical moments with my, my wife or my kids, Saturdays. I, it took me over 12 years to experience what a Saturday 
regular civilian afternoon. Oh, of course. You can't take a Saturday off as a barber. That's like <laughs> prime time. That's right. prime time. Right. Wow. No, I I really appreciate that perspective and sharing it because I think, you know, people really have to let no matter what business you're in, you have to, you know, build the business with the foresight of building something that is a brand, recognizing you're limited by how many hours you can cut hair and creating multiple and alternate streams of income, whether it's products, you know, whether it's, you know, having other chairs behind you. But um, that's a really great perspective. Okay, I also have a question, like these haircutting competitions. So when you go to a conference and you're like winning a haircutting competition, did that help you succeed in business? Or like, what does that do for the brand and the business? Absolutely. And the funny thing is, the funny thing is my real last name is not Styles. A lot of people think it's Styles. Um, Chuck Styles is actually my barber name that I just transferred over into the art community. And a lot of people started calling me Chuck Styles because I did so many different styles (laughs) haircuts literally i could probably put your face in the back of somebody's head yeah that's the type of yeah yeah that's how i used to win a lot of competitions wow within an hour i think it was like an hour hour and a half time i would perform like a nice cut you know um you know from what people can see frontal view but in the back i would do complete portraits of michael jordan or caesar from planet of the apes or um, Floyd Mayweather, I did that. LeBron James, I did that, um, and it, it ended up it ended up granting me a spot on um, a competition show hosted by Cedric the Entertainer that was on CW. Uh, you know, that's kind of cool. Yeah, I'm gonna have but, to talk to my yeah, man it, because he has not had my face on the back of his head. So, <laughs> like, what are we really doing? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, all those all those little wins, all those little wins, it goes into the the success story of at the end of the day, the brand which is you. You know, you can you can create all these other brands that kind of live as a as a as its own entity, but at the end of the day, you are your own brand. And you are your own brand. They want to see you win, and, and they're here to champion you. So all those little wins in my past life as a barber have carried over, and they're seeing me do incredible things, and, they, you know, it all helps. It, it definitely definitely helps with uh, the support. So this makes a lot of sense now. Chuck Styles 1.0 was creating art on the back of heads. Now Chuck Styles 2.0 is creating art. Cause I was like, wow, this is really an amazing transition, but it's just your medium has changed. <laughs> yeah, yep. that's it. So let's talk yeah. about the art behind you. So now you've been painting all along, you know, making it in this world as an artist is really, really difficult. But I think a lot of that speaks to brand and marketing. And so you already had like one leg in, in that you had an audience that was coming to you for your talents and styles. You'd already branched out into, you know, selling art through unexpected places, I would say, at, at conferences and barbershops. How is it now, you know, being a full-time artist and can you tell our audience how you go about structuring this as a business as well? Because it's not, you know, I think oftentimes when people think about artists, they just think of some guy that's just painting on a whimsy and, you know, there's no business to it. But if you want to eat, you got to have a business. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, it, it was it was funny. What, Like I said, one thing one thing that the barbering community um, allowed me to uh, just kind of have a clear eye view on is, is knowing who your audience is, mm. you know? So when I was still a barber and I was doing art, specifically barber themed, it was it was like literally 
kids in a candy shop because I spoke their language. The art resonated with them and barbershops and hair salons were just eating it up. So when I when I transitioned from being a barber to a full time artist, you know, I have I, I, I have a few other themes that aren't necessarily what you see behind me because it took me a while to find my art voice. But then once I figured out, you know, who I was and who I wanted to represent and what my art wanted to represent, I said, you know what, I want to do primarily black art that just like amplifies, you know, the black voice and, and gives people confidence and pride in who they are and who we are. And knowing your audience is like eighty percent like battle. It's it's literally it's eighty percent if you can if you can provide value to a community of people and you're like there with them, that that solves a lot of the, you know, struggling artist myths. And I think a lot of a lot of young artists they just want to do what's cool, what's Right. And, you know, and it's, it's an audience for that, but that audience is very fickle because they're on to the next thing that's hot. You know what I mean? Um, but that that helped out a lot is just knowing who my audience is. Another thing that I that I tend to do is um, I look, you know, the saying, um, uh, if you want to be wealthy, you, have, you need seven streams of, of income. Yep. I look at each of my art pieces as um a way to create seven streams so if i create one artwork that one artwork the original is one stream prints is a second stream Ooh. merchandise is a third stream yes um any type of other you know um whether i want to do licensing licensing is, a, is another stream so it's artists must understand that you know when you create an asset that asset can be broken down into multiple different streams because some people might love your artwork in different mediums and if you're able to supply them that medium then that can create a whole different you know you know a whole different tab on your website for people yeah. to come spend money so, the 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans and yet there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing. And of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. 
With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Okay, so explain to me too. So you do original works, you do prints, you do merch, you do all sort of um, versions of your art. Have you decided, is one more lucrative than the other? Yes, absolutely. Um, so I used to do, I used to uh, put events in art shows down in Miami for Art Basel weekend. Art Basel is really big, really competitive. It is. Um, I was, I've been there several times this year. I came yeah. and left, not with art, but Omicron. So that part was. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Just oh, joking, sorry to hear but that. not. <laughs> um, my, my, my first few times there, I think, I think I went under the guise of, okay, this is the Super Bowl of art. Yeah. Everybody's Feels there, like there to sell artwork. Right. I think the illusion that I tell a lot of the young artists now, the illusion of Art Basel is that you're going to go down there with your artwork and you're going to make $100,000 selling your artwork, right? And that's the dream. The reality is... <laughs> I love that you, <laughs> you said, that's the dream. The reality <laughs> is... Yeah, the reality is... When I was down there on, on year three, and I was, you know, I, I host my own events. And so I bring other artists along with me and, you know, we share space. What I realized by year three was that the art that I was trying to sell at the time, I couldn't even afford it, right? So I'm like, man, I'm, I'm trying to sell artwork for like $30,000. I can't even afford <laughs> my own artwork. And then I realized the majority of people that are down there to enjoy Art Basel are like me. Yes. They can't afford $30,000 art pieces. So that's the that's the reality, that the majority of the people, out of 80,000 people that come down to Miami to experience Art Basel, I want to say 90% of those people are just regular people that yeah. are there to support and, and, and look at art. So what I said is, okay, I want to service the 90%. So... What I'm going to do is I'm going to restructure my art business and not necessarily drive the focus on original artwork, but I'll provide high quality canvas prints for a fraction of the cards. Yep. So, so and I, I think this also speaks to the strategy of getting your name out there, you yes. know, and people like people want to know they're like, Ooh, styles, Chuck styles is art, Chuck styles is art because they see it and then someone else can go buy it. And, you know, right. I think in our community, that's really huge because a lot oh, of the people yeah. that go to Art Basel, they're learning, you know, yeah. they're learning yeah. about art. They're trying to figure out how to get into art. What is great art? And so here yeah. you're 
you're flooding the market. You're not flooding the market, but you're providing something in a larger market pool. Yes. No, no. To your point, absolutely. That's exactly how I thought. And I know it was a, um, it was, it was, it was difficult to explain to other artists or other people that kind of um, had this stigma of, oh, well, if you do prints, isn't that going to devalue your work? And I'm like, well, my work really doesn't have any value if people don't know who I am. I have to increase the demand first. And in order to increase the demand, <laughs> I got to get out there. Yeah. You know? So that was the first run of, you know, just going down to Art Basel and providing just canvas prints to people. And people said, I can get that for like $300. I said, yes, absolutely. And we will ship it to you so you don't even have to worry about taking it back on the plane. <laughs> on which I love that. And yes, absolutely. And we will ship it to you. Welcome to your first piece of art. And it's art. And I think this is the thing, like there's this misnomer about the art world that it has to be, you know, super expensive. And But sometimes like art is just meant to be enjoyed. And yes, you oh, want yeah. to create, add value and it be an asset, you know, as it grows and evolves. But sometimes it's just be getting in on the bottom floor, having an eye, learning these things. And yes, for $300, you can have this piece of art and I'm going to ship it to you. People are going to see it and they're going to be like, I would like one of those. Absolutely. I mean, and you know what also, you know, it also kind of like helped me um, go because I was very much like an elitist for a second where I was just like, oh, I'm not doing prints. You know? I'm not, yeah. You know, but um, it's to, to, to make six figures as, a, as, a, as an artist all on your own terms is still a success. Yes. And when I saw when I saw this young this young girl on Etsy. I think she was making like $100,000 a year. She was selling Beyonce quotes on Etsy, like in her own handwriting, it Slay Girl, and all, like yes. Beyonce quotes straight from Beyonce songs. And she was clearing six figures. And I said, that's, the, that's a success story that so many people need to see. Yes. Because it helped me transition into just being able to provide um, art in a different format and being comfortable with that. And so, yeah, to your point, I mean, you got to educate people and, um, and I like that. I, I mean, I really love that you even shared this young woman on Etsy just being like she was reselling handwritten Beyonce. There's a market for everything and you have to find your market. Listen, not all yes. of us are Barack and Michelle Obama who can have some artists paint them portraits of themselves that's going to go tour <laughs> like that's not. And you know what? Some everybody's art is different. Art is truly in the eye of the beholder or the purchaser. Absolutely. So being able to find Absolutely. your market, your marketplace is like, I think, the key niche. OK. I do, since your art is behind us, I want to ask a couple questions because there's such a diverse array of different things yes. that you've created and painted. Everything from a P&B peanut butter and jelly sandwich to I think that's Ali back. Is it? Am I wrong? Yes, that's Ali. Yeah. Okay. So what really inspires you to create all these, all this very different art? Um, you know, I'm a big fan of music. My mother, my mother was a musician, and I, I I look at music as a driving force to kind of like provide the energy for my artwork. Um, I, I I learned so much from so many different industries, and I look at my art as the same way like a musical artist creates albums. Yeah. So in order for me to stay within a certain like theme or color story. Um, I like to make collections and within that collection, you can kind of tell like, okay, this was, this was during this year, during this period. And that was during that period, kind of like an album, you know, when you, when you go back and look at like, 
you know, Michael Jackson's like bad album. It's just like, oh yeah, no, I know all the songs that's on that album. Or, you know, yeah, yeah. Like, okay, no, I know exactly what songs are on that album. And that's how I look at my artwork. So when you see like the the, the peanut butter and jelly with the wine or, or the champagne glass and then the, this Wonder Bread piece right here, that was that was in the, in the time period where I was doing a lot of Miami artwork and I was trying to cater to, you know, to get money Miami yes. art box. Um, but then if you look at the pieces that are on my walls, a lot of a lot of black faces, a lot of black storytelling. Um, I have Hank Aaron behind me over here. Oh, that's beautiful. I have, yeah, yeah, yeah. This piece I'm working on right now um, is inspired by my wife and my daughters that I'm working on right now. Oh, so, so that piece in the background is incomplete. It's not finished yet. Yes, yes, yes. Ooh. That's incomplete. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I'm already drawn to it already. So can't wait to see what that looks like. Thank you, thank you. So as of right now, I'm just still, um, I'm just still in this moment of uh, bright colors that invoke emotion. Um, I want, I, you know, at the end of the day, I, I, I believe in my, you know, my talents and my skill, but I also understand that, you know, when you, when you create art, you, you want there to be an emotional collection, mm -hmm. and I think that's the most important. So I just want to make sure that, you know, no matter what I paint you know, there's that emotional connection with the viewer, whether it's the content or the colors or the composition or, you know, those things. Okay, what are your thoughts? Because I know the world is changing. We're talking a lot about digital art, NFT art, um, and how it can help artists actually like um, authenticate the provenance of a piece of art and, you know, collect royalties for years to come. Do you think this is something that's here to stay or just a quick fad um, as it pertains to art in particular? Hmm. Tough question. Uh, I don't know. know. That's a good question. That's a good question because I haven't, I haven't released any NFTs as of yet. Um, I'm not in a rush because it's still very, very new. It's really I know early. Everybody making it like oh this you gotta get it now you gotta get it now and it's just like it took a long time for people to even catch up to the internet you know what i mean like yeah. you know what i mean i remember you know back when it was dial up and you actually me too i shamefully you like to I mean? admit that yeah you know and even before then it was like the internet was out years before then so right now nfts they're they're out i do think that they provide um another lane for you know financial you know financial freedom the the thing the thing that just kind of scares me a little bit is that because it's on the blockchain and um i mean obviously the people that run these platforms are a lot smarter than you and i <laughs> i'm just worried about um security measures security like is that. a big issue in that industry for sure it's a big yeah so i'm seeing like you know ex the X amount of dollars just was stolen and board apes, you know. Was yeah, it's there. happening a lot. Yeah. So I do think that there are um, there are positives to the NFTs. I just still think that we are so far from seeing what NFTs really can do in yeah. a stable environment where, you know, people can actually have a plan and then that plan actually succeed. Because right now, everybody's just throwing shit at the It's the, the wild, wild west. I, I admit, I follow the industry, I'm into it, but it is certainly so early that it is the wild, wild west. Right, right. Absolutely. Right. Okay, so last but not least, I want to dive into the piece of the conversation where you're involved with Tops for Project 70. Can you tell us a little bit about that? 
Oh man, tops, tops. Uh, just got finished wrapping up my tops project seventy uh, project, where tops was celebrating seventy years of providing cards in in the sports, you know, uh, in the sports industry, and it's it's been incredible. They chose fifty creatives to generate twenty cards, twenty unique cards for their set, and some of the creatives that were involved in the project was Snoop Dogg. Um, yeah, Snoop. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised he took on this job because he has like a thousand jobs right now. He um, does have a thousand jobs. Thousand jobs. Uh, Snoop Dogg, Action Bronson was a part of this set. Um, there's, there's a lot of, lot of, you know, well-known artists and creatives. Jeff Staple. Um, wow. You know, DJ Ski. DJ Ski. It's, it's like. Some of the people that were involved in this project, I was just humbled to say, like, wow, I'm here. And um, the project just commenced, and I actually finished in the top five um, sellers, uh, selling over a million a million dollars worth of baseball cards with 54,000 cards sold. Wow. Beating out Snoop. Shout out Snoop. Love you, up, but I had yeah. to get you out of here. Um, and, 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 yeah, it's just it's incredible to see that my artwork is in a smaller format that will be hopefully around past, you know, my years on earth and, you know, my grandkids and, and, you know, they'll be able to pick up these cards somewhere around the world and say, yo, you know what I mean? My That's grandfather, incredible. my grandfather did that card or, or, you know, if it's, if it ends up being worth, you know, thousands or a hundred thousand dollars, the baseball card community is a whole nother whole nother underground industry that is just like, it's not a lot of us in it, but it's a lot of money in there. But there's a lot it's of, a lot. I mean, you are on the cusp of being an NFT artist. I can tell you got the collectible piece. <laughs> You're just like, you just need to tip the scale. I'm sure we next time we have you back here, we'll be like, I just launched my whole collection. Like, we there. We there. For sure, for sure. Amazing. Well, congratulations. That's a lot of really great stuff that you have happening. Thank we you. don't have a lot of time left, but tell us um, what's next for you. Do you have any great collaborations or collections coming up? And of course, where we can find you on social media to buy some of these great pieces. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. Um, well, I just got finished. I just got finished coming back from Cleveland for NBA All-Star Weekend, um, where I launched my collection uh, in apparel with a company called Damari, black owned, owned by um, former uh, Philadelphia Eagles, Malcolm Jenkins. So that's, wow. his, that's his line. And um, we successfully did our opening launch at Saks Fifth Avenue in Cleveland over the weekend. That's huge, really, congrats. Yeah, really good, really good turnout, really good reception. Um, so that just happened. And then I'll be out in Vegas to celebrate uh, Wendell Scott, which was the first African-American race car driver. I did some artwork that honors Wendell Scott that'll be on every single NASCAR card in the, in the cup. Race. And we'll be on a big giant jumbotron. Yeah, so I'm excited for that. You know, wow. I would have never thought that I would have been doing artwork for NASCAR, but I'm just glad that I'm, you know, here to help tell our stories in unconventional ways and just- I mean, that's pretty, like when you think about those unique avenues, black people doing art for NASCAR racers, like yeah. that's pretty impressive. And I yeah. think that matters so much. Like when we talk about, and I've heard you talk about representation, you know, being an artist and looking up as a kid and just being like, oh, I can do that because he did that, he did yeah. that. Like that's pretty impressive. So congrats and kudos. 
Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And uh, you know, last but not least, you know, you can find you can find my artwork at www.artofchuckstyles.com or on all social media at Chuck Styles Two S's at the end. At Chuck Styles Two S's at the end. Well, money movers, we are out of time for today, but you heard the man. You heard where to follow him. So make sure you check him out, support his art. Um, and thank you again, Chuck Styles, for being with us today. You have dropped so many gems. We're just you. appreciative of your time. Love the work that you're doing. Oh, uh, thank you. Greenwood, shout out Greenwood. I'm always here, y'all family. Let's keep, let's keep educating. Let's keep educating. Oh, thank you so much. All right, Money Movers, that's all the time we have for today. But if we have helped you make your money move, please make sure to let us know by sending us a like, sharing the knowledge on your social media, and or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And make sure to tune in Monday to Friday and subscribe to the Money Moves podcast powered by Greenwood so that you too can have the keys to financial freedom you so rightly deserve. Thank you so much for tuning in, Money Moves audience. If you want more or a recap of this episode, please go to thebankgreenwood.com and check out the Money Moves podcast blog. Money Moves is an iHeartRadio podcast powered by Greenwood, executive produced by Sunwise Media Inc. For more podcasts on iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career and here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.